thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Enjoy this song by Steve Taylor. If you can hear me, there we go. This is called Guilty by Association. You're going to want to share this out. I can't hear myself very good here. Probably because I can turn this up here. Randall's going to get on soon. Christian cow Cut your bread, bread To keep the heathen well fed Mind Christian pockets instead This is like how old this song? In the 80s When we were just children Put down home trial with a message for y'all. That's all. And the devil's toolbox. Hey, Kim. The hat's gonna roll Hello, like Sean. Jesus rocks. Hi, Mia. Fully designed. Sharon, Rachel, Emily, Michael, and whoever else is out there. You might either love us or hate us after this show. Angie, hi. I don't know the words, so I can't sing this. I'm sorry, people. Yep. Careful here. So you say you the devil and you got no choice because you heard a revelation from the still small voice. If the Bible doesn't back it, then it seems quite clear. Perhaps it was the devil who whispered in your ear. Tuesday for the Gospel Club. Send your money in now, or they're gonna pull the plug. Fact, when they plead and beg, the chicks quack quack's gonna lay a big egg. Mm-hmm. You'd rather listen and look. Guilty by association. Yep. Could be smelling the crux, but you'd rather listen than look. You should be checking the book. Ah, uh, you're wearing red too. Darker red, but yeah, it is. I think it's almost over. Yeah. Now it's all just music, I think. Yeah. Okay, are we out? <laughs> Okay. Thank you and good night, people. <laughs> okay, I don't know that song, but it's a fun song. Steve Taylor, really, his CD, Meltdown, if you've never gotten it, you should go get it. Because it's really good. Yeah, it is. All right, so... I t- think that um, that came out in 84, I think. 84, 85, somewhere around Hey, now. Coach Mo's here, too. Hi, hey. Coach. Hi, Coach Mo. Howdy, hey. Hey, everybody's here tonight. Wow, you guys must be bored. Either that or you really want to hear the topic (laughs) of tonight. Yeah. They escaped their relatives and outlaws. Yeah, they did. (laughs) They're home and they're looking to... Uh, All right. Well, tonight what we're going to do is we are going to share with you, um, well, some news. Yeah, we are. And, you know, maybe... uh, You were three when it came out, huh? No, you were just a kid. Just a mere child. (laughs) Uh, there are some of you out there still, but anyway, so what we're going to do tonight, I have a lot of good stuff on the show tonight. So we're going to talk about Chick-fil-A, we're going to talk about Franklin Graham, and we're going to talk about uh, Benny Hinn's nephew, Costi Hinn, okay? And how do they all tie in? Well, they really, well, well, they kind of, well, they don't all tie in, but the topic will kind of weave itself together as you'll, as you'll see you see the skill 
that it takes to put this show together. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so if you're new to the show, I am Stacey Lynn Harp, your sweet and lovable host. And Randall Pandlebear is my uh, my co-host. Sidekick. Also uh... known. Yeah. A theological scholar. Fake pastor. And... Fake student. <laughs> I said, fa- I said fake pastor. <laughs> but, oh, okay. I thought you said think a pastor. You no, said theological I said, scholar. I said fake pastor. Yeah, fake, well, I'm not yeah. faking to be a fake pastor. Yeah. That's, that's other people's what? impression, not the one I'm, I'm not pretending to be. I'm just a student of the word. Yeah, he is. Nothing more. And he's super handsome and hunky. Um, yeah, maybe that is. too. Yeah, he is. Well, You're pretty good looking yourself. Thank you. You're welcome. I still need to get a haircut, people. My hair is getting, like, so big. I'm feeling... Especially the one just right, well, over your kind of... Anyway. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so we're going to talk about, like I said, Chick-fil-A, Franklin Graham, Costi Hen. We're going to play part of Costi Hen's testimony, who is the nephew of Benny Hen. And we're also going to talk about Chick-fil-A at the top of the show. And then, and of course, Franklin Graham and what he's doing. I have to say hi to Kim. Hey, Roz. And thank you, Kim, for sending me some other info that I didn't have. And, of course, I'm going to shout out Janet Partial for providing some of the other info I didn't have initially. Because um, you guys got to hear what's going on. Yeah, you do. Um, and what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So right at the top of the show, I just should, should tell you that our sponsor is Ariel Ministries. So if you have never bought any material or anything from Ariel Ministries, now is the time to do it. Ariel.org. You can go there. You can get some Bible teaching from a Messianic Jewish perspective. Understand your Christian faith in the in the context in which it was born, which was when it which was in Israel. Uh, Jesus is Jewish, just so you know. Also known as Yeshua, his Hebrew name. Um, but if you go there, you can use the coupon code Bible News, save some money. Uh, don't forget, Hanukkah's coming up as well as Christmas, right? Yeah, I just wanted to give a little little cost savings tip. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I noticed they're having a 30% off sale in their store, mm-hmm. items in the store. I don't know for how long. Um, I don't think it's the rest of the year. It's like mm-hmm. it's kind of like their kind of Black Friday thing, a little further. Anyway, I tried using both coupons. They're... Oh, you did? Code 30, I think, is the coupon code. And Bible News, I'll just use one or the other. Okay. So right now, even though we'd like... But put a note. If you buy, say, hey, Bible News Radio sent us here, and then save 30%. Yeah, use the the 30% (laughs) off code, which I think is code 30, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know. So, and don't forget, you can get everything on DVD, MP3, um, you can download stuff free on their website. They got, um, they have a lot of good stuff, you guys. So you should just really check it out. Grow your faith. It's an, it's very important. Also, if you ever want to donate to us, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. You can give there, become a pillar of the community. And uh, that just means you donate something to us once a month, which we totally appreciate. And um, what's the other thing? Oh, and then just watch the ticker. If you want to join our text message list, it tells you how to do that down there below. If you want to uh, join our email, I don't know if that's down there. But anyway, just follow the ticker down there below that Bareface put on for you to read throughout the show. Ooh, that almost rhymes. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, join our... Yeah, anyway. Okay, so let's talk about Chick-fil-A, okay? So Chick-fil-A, there there we are. Chick-fil-A, uh, just right up front, I'm going to say... I don't, know, I don't know where you wanted to start with that, with oh. which... Which with which piece of information? Yeah, let me let me see. Well, the nine ninety. No, Janet Janet's. Okay. Do, do Janet's piece if I can find it. I know I have it in here somewhere. Maybe I shut it. But I sent it to you so I could find it. Let's see here. Okay. Sorry, people. I should have had this. Did I send it to you? Yes, you did. I sent Janet's piece to you. Just, well, her Facebook post. Okay, well, I could probably read it off there. Okay, so... Um, if I can get it to work. Okay, so you guys know that Chick-fil-A has been kind of under sort of attack, uh, or in the news anyway, because of their do- the, their donations, right? And just right up front, in case you, you, you're new to the show and you think that I'm a hater or something, I'm not. I'm sweet and lovable. That's my moniker, people. You guys gave it to me. <laughs> Um, but we're going to look at some facts and, 
And, you know, I will just state up right, right up front. Personally, I don't care about Chick-fil-A's food. I think it's, I don't like it. I think it's too sweet. I don't know what it is they put in, the, in their thing, whatever. Um, I'm not a big fan of Chick-fil-A. But when the homosexual lobby in 2012 came out and started attacking them for um, supporting marriage as one man and one woman the way God created it, uh, Mike Huckabee came out and called for Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. And so many of us, we, we decided that we would go to Chick-fil-A and support them because they were under attack by the militant homosexual lobby. Okay, don't get mad at me for saying that, but it's true, right? And the militant homosexual lobby is attacking Christians and our values, and especially marriage, okay? Which is God-ordained marriage, one man, one woman. That would be marriage, like me and Bareface, you know, hello. Okay. So, a couple of weeks ago, it came to some people's attention that Chick-fil-A has strayed, if you will, and started giving to liberal causes. Well, good old Franklin Graham decides to come out and support Dan Cathy um, and, and all that, which we're going to talk about that in just a second, but... But Janet Parshall, who is my radio mentor, I still consider her that. Um, she's been doing radio 30 plus years. Um, her husband, Craig Parshall, is an attorney with the American Center for Law and Justice, as far as I know. And they both are still w with the National Religious Broadcasters. Um, and Janet does her show in the market with Janet Parshall uh, two hours a day, Monday through Friday. So... Janet wrote on her Facebook page a couple of days ago the following. Facts are stubborn things, said John Adams, so let the facts speak for themselves. Here's the 990 for Chick-fil-A for 2017. Scroll, on any, scroll all the way down to see where the corporate giving went for that year. Lots of great things like Christian schools, Habitat for Humanity, etc. Note also the substantial gift to the Salvation Army that won't be there the next time this is filed. But see also that they gave to the Southern Poverty Law Center, that's the SPLC, the group that decides who is a hater and who is not. Know also that they gave to pro-abortion group Pace, Pace Center for Girls, who will feature abortion activist Gloria Steinem uh, at their summit, and there are others. Look at the list of, of recipients and decide for yourself, but now you can't say you don't know. And I wanted to bring that out because... Um, you know, I did, I went ahead, I looked, I pulled it up and I think I sent Randall the 990. Yeah, there it is. It's 990. And, and you guys can actually go and you can pull this up. This is the best part about being a nonprofit is everything is everybody's business. When you're a nonprofit, they have to publicly put that stuff out there so that you can see where their money is going and who they're supporting. And just so you know, nonprofits bring in a lot of money, especially these big ones. Okay. And they get grants from rich people and, they, and all this other stuff. So Chick-fil-A's foundation, which is a nonprofit foundation, if you scroll down, then you can see this massive list of organizations that they give to. Um, and I don't know anything about most of these organizations, but like the very first one for the very first one, it says here, Care for AIDS, Inc. You know, AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. Um the, which is primarily a homosexual disease, according to the Center for D Disease Control, you know, the overwhelming majority of people who have AIDS, which, by the way, used to be called GRID. That was the original name, according to research that David Kupelian did. Uh, GRID stands for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency. Um, and the lobby, the homosexual lobby, wanted it changed because they didn't want AIDS associated with homosexuality, the irony of it all. And so they renamed it to AIDS. So anyway, Care for AIDS, Inc. So that shows you that Chick-fil-A hates gay people, just so you know, right there, right? I'm trying to be facetious. But so they gave 15000 to that. Um, and then you can go down and you can see that they've given to Rotary Clubs. They've given to um, a lot of different foundations. They gave to Methodist Home of South Georgia, Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind, uh, Atlanta Legal Aid Society, Peace Prep Academy, you know, and just a whole bunch. But the, when you go down to the, near the bottom of it, you can actually see that they also gave to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, I think, believe it was twenty five hundred dollars. 
And if you guys don't know the history of the Southern Poverty Law Center, then, I'm looking for that line. Yeah, it's item. it's kind of hard to find, but if you just put in twenty five hundred, maybe well, it's 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 down there. I saw it. It took me a while to find it, but it is in there. It's a smaller donation, but still, they gave to it. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center, um, it, way back in the beginning, I think their intentions were good. They wanted to, you know, help stamp out hate, like from people like the Ku Klux Klan and real haters, you know, real people who really, really hate people and who are haters, right? But then over time, the Southern Poverty Law Center lost its mind. And I will say it this way, they lost their ever-loving mind uh, because then they started putting groups like Focus on the Family, the Family Research Count Council, Concerned Women for America, and a whole bunch of other groups designating them as a hate group. And the reason why the Southern Poverty Law Center did that is because, by and large, all the Christian organizations that I listed support marriage as one man, one woman. They oppose the homosexual lobby. They believe that homosexuality is a sin. And so the SPLC um, basically just decided to go off the deep end. Now, they have the right to go off the deep end if they so desire. But one thing that you can know also is that the FBI used to go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and use their data in order to help them figure out the hate groups and different things like that. Well, many years ago, even the FBI disassociated themselves with the Southern Poverty Law Center. So the Southern Poverty Law Center itself truly is a genuine, actual hate group. And so here's Chick-fil-A, for whatever reason, giving 2,500 bucks to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Okay? And as Janet points out in her, her post, they also gave to pro-abortion abortion groups. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Gloria Steinem, but she is one of the most... Um, <sighs> most I don't know what she is she's she how do I say this she's had numerous abortions she's got a calloused hard 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 heart does not give a rip about babies at all and doesn't abdicate for life okay I'll just put it that way but yeah okay so bare face I don't know if you can make that bigger but yeah but yeah it says there Southern Poverty Law Center Inc and it's, yeah, $2,500. It's a civic community program. Um, yeah. So, so Chick-fil-A is giving to these radical, in my opinion, places. Okay? Now, they can do whatever they want, right? I don't care. I personally really don't give a crap about that part. What I care about is the fact that Mike Huckabee in 2012 went ahead and got the whole Christian world to do Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day and have us all go to Chick-fil-A to support them because they were, you know, because they were being attacked by the militant homosexual lobby and others, right? So now, comes out five years later, according to their 2017 statement, which is what that was, and I'm sure if you go scroll through some of the other ones, it's, they've probably given donations there too, that they're donating other places. So my thing is, look, if you're going to be a Christian organization and tout Christian beliefs, then you better be able to back it up and make sure that your record is clean. So meanwhile, Franklin Graham, bless his heart, and I mean that in the Southern way, He's come out, and I want to thank Kim for sending me this, on his Facebook page. Let's see if I can find it here. That's the partial talk one. Okay. I, I, I need, I need near-far glasses so I can read. Because <laughs> my screen here, I can read, but that looks like I'm looking down. If I, that one's too far away, so I need, anyway. So Franklin Graham wrote, just a couple hours ago today, he wrote, Chick-fil-A has been in the news a lot, and every day it seems there's a new article about their charitable giving. There's been a lot of concern and criticism, and maybe, and maybe rightly so. For Christian schools, businesses, and organizations, there's always a danger of drifting to the left. It is my sincere hope that Chick-fil-A will not allow that to happen. 
with the majority of corporate America caving to the LGBTQ agenda, Chick-fil-A has stood against the tide with people of faith supporting them all the way. What can we do now? I would encourage Christians everywhere to pray for Dan Cathy, his brother Bubba, <laughs> and the family as they have some important decisions to make. It's their company. They can do what they want. But my prayer is that God will lead and direct them and that they will continue to honor their late father, Truett Cathy's strong stand for biblical values, all to the glory of God. While Chick-fil-A is one of the few restaurants closed on Sunday to honor God, what if we make tomorrow pray for Chick-fil-A Day? Will you join me in praying? That's Franklin Graham. To which I say, no, Franklin Graham, I'm not going to join you in praying. You all can join Franklin and pray for Chick-fil-A if you so desire. But no, I think we should be praying for Franklin because I think the man is a little bit deceived. And either that or, he, or his advisors are complete knuckleheads and not even showing them something like what Janet showed. Okay. Janet posted that. I'm pretty sure. I mean, he knows Janet. So it's like, all right, somebody needs to get inside Franklin's head and smack him upside of it because here he is, in my opinion, supporting Chick-fil-A, even though it's been proven and outed that they're supporting these liberal leftist causes, even the Southern Poverty. According to 2017, Law 990. Yes. So it's not a recent, you know, well, not a recent. Well, 2018's isn't out yet. Yeah, right. So, so it's the latest one. I know. So going back to 2017. There, you know, the pro-abortion, yeah. the and there's you know, probably the more pro, too, but I yeah. don't know. So, I mean, yeah, again, how they want to give their money, and I don't know what all the tax implications are. I'm not a CPA. I know that. Right. I know that a corporation can't give charitable donations. I mean, they can, but it's not. There's no tax benefit to it. A C corp, anyway. Um, but you know, that's a Chick Fil A foundation. So I don't know how money goes from chick-fil-a the corporation to the foundation what the foundation does yeah anyway but that doesn't matter we look on the on the 990 statement and we see that dan kathy is the president of the board of the chick-fil-a right. foundation so um yeah well, so for can know, I say one other thing first sure okay i just want to say this franklin graham's ministry samaritan's purse i decided to look at their 990 okay just because they're a nonprofit too Samaritan's Purse brings in close to $800 million a year last year. Let that hit you just a little bit. Do they do a lot of stuff outside and they do a lot of relief, etc.? Yes, they do. But they brought in almost $800 million in one year. And that, that included a lot of grants and stuff given to them and a whole bunch of stuff. Franklin Graham's um, salary, just so you know, in case you're thinking he's like the poor Graham, uh, for 40, it says here on, on, on this 994, December, 2017, W Franklin Graham, the third for 40 hours a week. That's, makes, that's for, yeah. Okay. That's what it says. Average hours per week. Okay. is what he works 40. He makes $612,422 in compensation. Okay, six hundred two or six hundred twelve four hundred twenty two dollars is his salary. Okay, so Franklin ain't poor. Just so you know, just sharing that with you, lest you think that you know he's he's out there and he's not making some money too. Okay, that's six hundred twelve thousand dollars for forty hours a week is a lot of money, you guys. So. When I say that I think he's bought and paid for, it might not be through Samaritan's Purse. And plus, Billy Graham, uh, Billy Graham Association as well, BGEA, Billy Graham Evangelical Association, um, they have some overlap with Samaritan's Purse. And if you read through their 990, you can actually see some of that's documented. His next person, Phyllis Payne, uh, who also works 40 hours a week, she makes... 276969 okay? And the person, a board member, Louis Heitzig, makes $10,000. Um, and Felix Martin, who apparently also is a board member, 
makes $6,000. And then you have other board members, Daryl Carroll, Michael Cheatham, and so on, who make nothing. Okay. Just so you guys know. Just so you know. You know, there is, they, there is lots of money going out there to help the poor. Okay. Just so you know. So why do I bring all that up? I just want you to know that I get sick and tired sometimes of watching these big name people um, do what they do and play victim or act as if they're an authority just because they have big money behind them. And don't ever forget that. I'm going to go back to the election where Mike Huckabee was up for president and they put Mitt Romney up against Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee, I believe, is a godly man, and I think Mike Huckabee, good old Southern Baptist. Um, in fact, there's rumors now that Sarah, his daughter, may be running for governor of Arkansas. I don't know if you heard that or not, but that would be, be very interesting if she does. But what I will say is that I happen to know a group of people who are associated very high up in government in the Christian world who have a lot of influence, at least I did, and maybe not as much now. I mean, you got Word of Faith Pastor Paula now up there, um, and, and some other people who I completely disagree with. But what I will say is that there is a vote among some of these high bigwig Christian leaders, and they're voting against your values. Just so you know, they pretend that they're for you when they're not. When they, and this is when my eyes were really open was a couple of years ago, when Mitt Romney was put up to be the, the candidate over Mike Huckabee. And what you, know, what you need to know is that when Mitt Romney was put up, Mitt Romney is the guy that, lay, that, that advocated for homosexual marriage throughout America. He started it in Massachusetts, and then it carried throughout America in the various states. He's no conservative people. He is a Mormon which is not biblical either, but Mitt Romney is who they put above Mike Huckabee. They chose him. The Christian leaders chose Romney over Huckabee, right? So I'm just, just don't be stupid. Don't, don't be naive. I guess stupid's not the right word. Don't be naive. Don't be thinking that because there's a big name Christian leader out there that's telling you stuff, including Franklin Graham, frankly, who I think's lost his mind to think a little bit. Don't be like going, oh my gosh, well, he says that, blah, blah, blah. Do your own research and check it out. Use the discernment God has given you because he's given it to you. You just got to use it. Um, and, I, and I tell you what, I have been privileged to talk to a lot of people in the Christian world, uh, high up people, and um, people tell me stuff that I never air. But what I can tell you is what I'm telling you is true. <laughs> and I am not bought and paid for. Uh, I think Randall and I made $10,000 last year from Bible News Radio. Ten grand, yeah. That paid most of my bills, not. But, you know, so so I'm not I'm not bought and paid for, okay? And just want you to know that. So, um, not, so now, let's, speaking of that, kind of turning the page, Costi Hen, who happens to be the nephew of Benny Hen, the number, you know, probably well-known uh, Word of Faith teacher, um, who has been out there for a long time. Well, he recently wrote a book about how God delivered him from the prosperity gospel, the word of faith prosperity gospel, which is rampant and completely unbiblical. Okay. We are going to play you a little part of his personal testimony that he gave a couple of years ago. I guess it was last year when this video was posted on YouTube. Um, and I want you to hear a little bit what he has to say. I wanted to play the whole thing, but Randall's like, no, we can't play the whole thing. I'm so, we're, we're, we can't play the whole thing, but I will tweet out the, the link. It's a 52 minute almost message that I would encourage you all to go watch. Um, because what, what he talks about in the beginning is, is the, the inside world of the prosperity movement. He names people like Joyce Meyer, of course, Benny Hinn. But he talks about the, the toxic spirituality of the family system, how he didn't know God's word, um, and, you know, just so much more. So the clip that we have, this he's talking about how when God first called him back 
into the ministry. Uh, he was basically just born again. Uh, had, he had stood up to his family. He had left the, the family and basically stood up to them and said, you know, look, I can't do this anymore. I can't stand here. And in fact, one part in, in here, he actually shares about how he was a, um, a catcher, you know, those of you guys know that and they, they do this to you and they, everybody falls Woo! back and sorry. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, and he was a catcher he was saying that he got paid $5,000 for every service that he would go to and do that. So he would say like in one, one day or even a weekend, he would make twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just for doing that. Okay. Now I don't know about you, but <laughs> making that's a lot of money. Um, he talked about posh living and, you know, the different things and, and just unbelievable stuff that, that is really not the gospel at all. So, so, um, so let's go ahead and play that. Cause I think you're, I think you're all going to find this interesting. At least I hope you do. And this is from Redeemer Bible Church's, um, YouTube page. And I'll go ahead and tweet that out so you guys can. Go to Bible News Radio on Twitter and you can you can watch the whole thing later. The fall turns to the winter and the winter starts to turn to spring and April 30th, 20. And he says, hey, I need you to cover the pulpit. We're in a series on John. It'll be John 5, 1 through 17. That's your text. It's the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Think you could handle that? I said, I, I guess so. He said, here's a commentary. It'll help keep the train on the tracks. And he throws a John MacArthur commentary on my desk. <laughs> and I remember studying, and I've asked him since, was that a setup? It really wasn't. Have the hen kid preach on healing. Okay. Good plan. So in study, I'm doing what I've been taught to do in just those first few months. And you all know, you've seen people get converted and you've walked this road too. You get into your first kind of biblical basics course at the church and then someone teaches you maybe like the Oika method or something, observation, you know, correlation, application. You're learning all these things, right? And you're learning how to actually just ask simple interrogative questions of the text and maybe just don't look at it and go, yep, wow, the story of... You know, David, I guess I'm David. That seems cool. I'll slay my Goliath today. And you go on. That's not how the Bible works. And you learn some things, right? I took what I learned and I start just kind of asking questions of the text. And, and Jesus so clearly sees this one man. The Bible says, John records it. He, in a multitude of people, chooses one man. And I'm thinking, that's weird. Why didn't you heal everybody, Jesus? We always said you'll heal everybody at all of our meetings. And Jesus picks one. And then a few verses later, I'll never forget it, in the bottom quadrant of my Bible, left column, down low, it says, and immediately, and I thought, circle that, immediately. Man, Lord, you healed them right away. No music, no jacket, no weird stuff, no offering, no four-hour service, no Cheez-Its. You healed them immediately. There's no games here. This don't no process. It's not, hey, keep on believing. You just keep going. The Lord will work it out. You keep exercising your faith, sister, as she goes out the door and you keep things looking good because nobody got healed. It was immediate. And then this guy picks up his pallet, walks around, does a lap, ends up by the Pharisees. Jesus isn't around. And what do they say? Who told you you can pick up your pallet and walk around on the Sabbath day? Oh. The, the guy who healed me. John says, because he did not know who Jesus was. Jesus had gone away from that place. Jesus wasn't around. Well, you start doing some digging and you look up some Greek words. I was taught to do that. So I thought, well, I better do that. And then I said, well, I don't really understand Greek. So none of this is helping. Let me try the commentary. So I grabbed the commentary and there goes MacArthur in MacArthur-esque fashion off on the, the lies of faith healers. And, and he writes it right in there. It's not in any uncertain terms. One of the cruelest lies of contemporary faith healers is that the people they fail to heal are guilty of sinful unbelief, a lack of faith, or negative confession. This man is a prime example of Jesus healing in a sovereign way. 
And, and three things were sticking out. Lord, you're sovereign. You healed one out of a multitude. You're sovereign. You do what you want. Lord, you healed the man immediately. You do it how you want and when you want and the way you want. It's done. Nothing's going to change. And then, Lord, the man didn't even, a doe in the Greek, perceive who you were. How, if he didn't perceive who you were, how did he know you? He didn't. So how did he have enough faith to get the healing from you? It didn't take enough faith. You just healed them out of your own sovereign will. I remember just losing it in my office. The same office I'm in today. I was crying, weeping all over the study notes as I realized that you are a sovereign God. You do what you want. You are in control. Everything we taught and we did was a lie. The gospel we lived, the people that we spiritually assaulted and exploited, all of that, that's not what you do. And I had my come to Jesus moment. The scales fell from my eyes. You might want to call it a grace awakening. People often ask, you know, when were you converted? When were you saved? How did you know when you were saved? And I've had some people who listen to my story and say, yeah, I get that the moment happened in the office, but you were already a sheep. You were already hearing his voice. You were already leaning towards the truth. That process leading up to it was where he grabbed hold of your heart and began to guide your steps. And, and I understand that. And it could have been before. The Lord was doing a great work and he was drawing me. But ultimately, Ultimately, for me, the grace awakening moment was when I actually understood what the truth was in contrast to what I had believed. I repented. I told the Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll serve at this church. I'll do anything, whatever you want. I repent. I'll never go back. I vow to preach and teach and stand for truth. I'll serve you. I'll take on this thing. I'll sit in the corner of my office if you tell me to. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm your man. Whatever. And it wasn't more than just a few months. Bareface turned down my mic. I'll turn him back up too. Let's see. Okay, can you hear? Yeah, you can. So there you go. That was just the... I can take that off. That was just a, a short clip of, of his testimony, but I wanted you to hear it um, because the word of faith movement is a money-making machine. Yeah, it is. Now, my question for you is, does God want us to be all rich? I don't think so. I know that that goes against some of my friends' beliefs, I don't think the Bible teaches that, actually. Um, does he want us all to be well? That I do. I think he does. I do think, however, that God allows things. If you look at the book of Job, you know, Job was a righteous man. He was upright. You know, Randall and I did a whole study on Job. It took us quite a while to get through it. Um, he was extremely wealthy. He was extremely popular, had a big, huge family. And we saw the spiritual warfare the spiritual conversation that takes place from behind the scenes in the book of Job where, where Satan had to ask God's permission to go ahead and attack Job. Not because Job was rich, not because he was even great, but because he was a godly person. And I think God desires us to be holy and godly above all else. And I say this because you cannot explain to me and you cannot say, that the persecuted church around the world who doesn't have enough faith, right? You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that they don't have enough faith. Uh, that's why they're not rich. That's why they're poor. No, these the, the persecuted church around the world is poor because they are in countries with evil dictators, usually, and evil governments that oppress them. And Jesus himself actually said, you will always have the poor with you. So we can do whatever the heck we want to try to stamp out poverty all over the world, but it's going to remain because Jesus said so. But people don't like to bring that part up. And something that's often overlooked is... It's used well. Looked at well. Like the Bible doesn't say your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well, and they couldn't do miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. Belief, right? Uh, yes, because he was rejected there. But looking at the harmony of the Gospels, and I recommend to you adamantly Yeshua, Life of Messiah from a Messianic Jewish perspective, which is 
based on the harmony of the Gospels, and we read that, and we see a change that John chapter 5, when he's healing people, uh, Yeshua, he's, he's instantiated that, and healing masses, it was, it was ministry to the masses. And then when, after he was rejected by the religious leadership, they accused him of casting out demons by the prince of demons, like that makes sense, not. And after that rejection by the national leadership, you see a change in ministry. He's not giving the Sermon on the Mount anymore. He's speaking in parables. He tells tells the disciples. To them, it's spoken in parables. You know, so then it becomes a one-on-one. He's he's gone out there. He's preached the gospel as himself, coming Lord and his ministry to the masses, healing whom you know he chooses. But after he's rejected on a national level on, by the majority, then it becomes on a. They have to seek him out. Right. It's like because the ma- the masses have since rejected him, you know, from the top kind of down. And then he starts to speak in parables for those who want to know will seek to know. And those who need healing will come to him, like the woman with the issue of blood. You know, if I can just. And then you see him saying, Your faith has made you well, because they pursued him when others, when most others had rejected him. So that's where we see that dynamic. Not that faith was always required, that faith is the, that God can't do anything. God won't do anything if he's rejected. You know, if, if well, you reject him, you're not seeking for him to do anything. And and there, I mean, there's there's the stories, you know, of the 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 man coming to Christ asking for, you know, healing for his his child who's about to die. Right now, if you go by the word of faith's logic, then that child, well, they didn't have faith because they were about to die. And in one case, did die. did die, mm-hmm. but. Was it the child's faith that made him well, or was it the father's faith? Then what did Jesus say? Um, he was impressed by, by, yeah, like in the case of Centurion, he said, I've right. not found such, you know, faith even uh, in Israel, because this, this was a Gentile coming to him. Right. And saying, face this guy, this Gentile has more faith than the lot of you that... It w- it w- oh, and that was a case of the, not a daughter, but the servant, his servant. He, my servant said, don't come to my house. I'm not, you don't need to do that. Just say the word. And it's good. And that's where he commented on the faith. I just want to make clear what I was thinking there. But, um, yeah, hold on. I got w- In the case of, of the girl um, who's, who is not named, mm-hmm. when he said, Talitha Kumi, uh, little girl rise up, um, I don't think faith is mentioned about anybody's faith that made her whole. Yeah, I'm going to look at one other thing. I just had this verse come to my mind. So in Matthew 15, let's see here. I'm going to scroll down here. Yeah, Matthew 15, beginning in verse, I am going to find it because it's right here. I just found it a second ago. Uh, Verse 21 here, it says this. Um, Jesus went away from there, beginning in verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon, or Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. There you go, bareface. Yeah, uh, n- another case of a Gentile, mm-hmm. uh, Gentile, and uh, her faith. And again, this is um, also at a time where the public ministry, I think, um, no, I guess not. 
because we see, I don't know, we have to look at the Harmony of the Gospels. Verse 29 talks about the many coming out and he, and he healed in mass and the 4,000 are fed. So, so that's still in the public ministry. But yeah, it wasn't the faith of her daughter that allowed her to be exercised and he didn't even go to the daughter to exercise. She just said, my daughter's demon possessed. It says it's done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. So he didn't have to even, <laughs> excuse me, go to the daughter um mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and it's interesting there the we miss some uh in the english that's there in the greek uh about um, the the dogs there is a diminutive of dog it's not like wild dogs to be like the household pet mm. and so he's not calling by gentile way. scurvy dogs or mangy dog anyway yeah by the way on youtube forrest said hi ho Barb said, did you slip something into Randall's coffee? Hold on, folks. This should be good. And Jeff said, hi. Well, Randall doesn't drink coffee, just so you know. Only I do, and I drink decaf. So what? You have more energy than normal? Is that it? I don't know. I said that early on, I think, yeah. because I was kind of lip-syncing and singing oh, with the... okay. That makes sense. Um. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more, you know, about some of this stuff. But going back to Costi and what he said, you know, I was really struck by this because if you go and you listen to his whole testimony and you actually hear what he's talking about, you know, you hear what he what he's describing is the sick, toxic, spiritual family system that was also in the church. It's still there. And Benny Hinn actually never came out and repented. And neither did Joyce Meyer, by the way. Joyce Meyer kind of sort of made, oh, yeah, I'm kind of stepping away from my word of faith teaching and the prosperity thing or anything. But Joyce Meyer is a narcissist, okay? I mean, flat out, the woman is a complete narcissist. I know a lot of you out there like her and you listen to her. I've listened to her. Sometimes I still listen to her and she hasn't changed. She is a narcissist. Big time. In fact, if you really listen to Joyce, what you will hear is her talking about herself more than anything. Okay. Uh, This is a woman, which I will never forget, actually shared in front of her whole women's conferences, which by the way, are her paid conferences. And that's the big paid event for her ministry. Actually said, I had to have plastic surgery. So I would look good for all of you. What a load of crap, people. Nobody needs plastic surgery to look good for an audience. Certainly not her, okay? I'm I'm just... <laughs> but anyway, back to Costi. So when he said that Jesus picks the person to heal, right? You know, and, you know, look, I had four friends, four people in my life die this year, actually five, but four in particular. So my friend Karen, who is um, with the Lord now, 55 years old, contracted lung cancer. Um, okay. She taught Awana for years, raised her kids in the church, um, you know, and all that. And, and I will say that she was probably one of the most godly people that I know and really loved the Lord. And all of a sudden she's dead. Do, do you think it's because she didn't have any faith? Do you think because, I mean, you know, do you think God doesn't love her? Is, is that, that's why she died of cancer suddenly pretty much within, a year, you know, <laughs> you know, God is sovereign and God can choose what he does. And yes, God does use illness to draw people to himself. I don't give a crap. I know that, you know, I even had Larry Allison on recently and he, he kind of doesn't like that thing, but you know what? I see it. God used my mother's cancer to draw her to himself. And because of that cancer, I believe, you know, and the process that went, that she went through in order to, you know, um, <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not going to read that one on there, but, <laughs> but I'm reading it. Um, you know, that cancer is, was a conduit to lead my mom to faith in Christ. You know, did, does God want us all to be well? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, you know, I do agree that he, he wants us, he, he does heal us. But can we negate what happens in our bodies as flesh? You know, the wages of sin is death. We live in a sin-sick, fallen world, you know. And I would challenge 
any word of faith teacher or anybody out there who claims that God should be healing everybody, I, I dare you, I double dog dare you to go and use your anointing oil and your prayer of faith and go and heal everybody in every hospital all over the world of their cancer and their diseases. Once you do that, then I will believe your gospel. But until you do that, I think it's a load of crap and it's heretical. And Jesus never did that. So if Jesus didn't do it, then I'm just saying, don't buy into it. Because a lot of these things, it's like a money-making machine. That's all it is. And yes, even big, huge ministries that go and help the poor. Joyce Meyer has this big thing with helping the poor. And what they do is they use these emotive you know, pictures with the snot coming down. And I mean, they do all that to grab on normal people, like actual people who aren't narcissists or sociopaths, to give and give the money. They manipulate. In fact, um, Costi talks about that in the beginning of his testimony about how the whole thing is set up to manipulate people, you know? Um, and it overlays, if you look at this gospel stuff, it actually overlays with the new age movement and the different Jesuses out there, right? There were different Jesuses in the time of Jesus that they preached, right? But the real gospel, anybody who's living the real gospel, they're not, you know, is being persecuted for doing right, not wrong, right? But in the word of faith movement and all these other things, they say, oh, well, we're under attack. You know, we're being persecuted because those people who aren't wealthy and, you know, and aren't getting healed and all this other stuff, you know, they're attacking us because the devil is after us, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I was going to tell you something. People who talk about the devil all the time are his friend. <laughs> if, if you're a Christian and all you blab about is the devil constantly, then he's your bestie in my opinion. Okay, if you're talking about the devil this, he's under your foot, he's doing that, he's all this other baloney, he's your bestie. Because I don't know about you, the only time Jesus talked to the devil was when he was being tempted and he was casting out demons and stuff and saying, hey, you know what? And, you know, it's, in it's interesting because if you look at the temptation of Christ in Matthew 4, I believe it is, you look at all the different things that the devil tempted Jesus with, and those are the exact same things that the word of faith and all those faith, faith religions out there are offering their people. Every single one of those things. Believers yeah. don't need to be yapping about the devil all the time. I think we're called to worship. If you can show me where David yapped about the devil mm -hmm. and where all these other people talked about the devil, how he's under my feet and all that other stuff. Come on. Just... <laughs> It just it drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, we talk about those it that we're, we're enamored with or preoccupied with. And yeah, I've, yeah I've, I've, I agree with you there. If you know, you talk more about the devil than you do about the Lord, then yeah. something's amiss there. It, and, and as we were talking about this, I think, yesterday, I mean, we have the Apostle Paul saying that I may know him in the fellowship of his wealth and no, health. His sufferings. And, <laughs> fellowship of his sufferings. That's... That's how Paul knew that he was going to be intimate, more intimate with the Lord. Fellowship of suffering. And I, I never well, forget the late Dr. Richard Wormbrand. Um, he was a doctor? Yeah. And nothing that... Don't want to talk about the ministry that came after him. But, right. you know, him, you know, as he was, you know, he... He's on record as saying that he found truly joyful Christians, joyful Christians, in three places that were in prison, in the Bible, and in the underground church. Yeah. This was a man who was in solitary confinement in uh, Romania for right. for Under for years, well, months if not years. No, well, and his wife Sabina as well. Right, right, and uh, and so this is a man. You know, been through it. And he says, joyful Christians, he found, only found in the underground church, in, in the Bible, and in prison. Yeah. Everywhere else, they're, you know, seems like most of the time they're looking out for themselves under, under, um, you know. So have we stepped lost. on some toes tonight? Probably. Are your feet hurting people? Try not to hurt him too much. But you know what? I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, one of the things Costi said in his testimony, it really broke my heart when I was watching it today. I was really feeling sad about, about it because here's what I know. He was not taught God's word. And, you know, I was telling Randall this morning, I said, I was really convicted by his testimony. And here's why, because, um, you know, because it's really easy to, um, see people follow false teachers and you know that they're false teachers because of, because of what they're teaching. If you're reading the Bible, um, and getting down on, you know, people who read the false teacher stuff. I mean, this law of attraction garbage that's brought into the church, the manifestation garbage that's all over the church. Um, the emergent church. I mean, I can, there's so many, you know, things that are just heretical. Uh, and yet Randall said something to me. He said, you know, it's interesting. Those who are being deceivers, you know, like the Benny Hens and the Joyce Myers and all those, right? And Joel Osteen, right? Joel Osteen, hey, you know what? Good old Joel Osteen. And I know some of you guys, you know, are like, well, I love Joel Osteen. He makes me feel good about myself. He's, he has said he's not even a pastor. He actually calls himself a life coach. And look, I completely get why people love Joel Osteen because he makes you feel good. Yeah, he does. He, he, he's only got nice, sweet, loving words for everybody. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no Bible really whatsoever, but he isn't sharing the gospel. And so if you're following one of these people, just realize you're not getting the gospel. And this is what made me sad about, about Costi, right? Here he's raised under the guise of Christianity and he never knew what Christianity was. He actually shares in this testimony about how, um, you know, he, he, he got introduced to the gospel going to this, um, Baptist college because he was a baseball player. And, um, when they hired him at this church, I guess the pastor asked him, you know, what's your end time view? And he's like, what? I don't know. I have no idea what my end time view is. Cause they didn't teach it. All they taught was how to manipulate the crowds, how to lie to the masses who are being deceived but they wanted to be deceived too, because the Bible actually talks about that. People want to be deceived. And I, I've mentioned this before. There's a book I read a while back, and I forgot the name of it, but it was written by a con artist, a former con artist, and who was, a, who when he was a child, his very first birthday party or one of his birthday parties, they had a magician come to entertain him. And he noted, and I thought that's, this was so brilliant. This kid noted that people want to be deceived. When you watch magic, you are, you are intentionally putting yourself in a position to be deceived because you know the guys, that's all they're doing is they're doing sleight of hand. They're, do, they're doing all this other stuff. And there are Christians out there who are engaging in magic. I actually, I actually met a guy, Randall, I don't know if I told you this, but I was at a networking group not too long ago and a guy stood up. He said, oh yeah, one of the things that I do, I'm a Christian, I do magic parties at, at Christian's kids' parties. And I'm like, okay, well, um, you know. Well, I mean, there's, there's the David Blaine kind of magic. The, but it starts somewhere. Right, but okay, I've, I've, al saying. I've also seen um, illusionists, performers performing illusions that we know are illusions, and preaches the gospel through it. Okay, well, who's that? I don't know who that is. I've, I've seen a few of them. Of course, they're not rich and famous, <laughs> because the gospel is their primary thing, and they use, they use you know, quote, you know, magic tricks with yeah. scarves and rings and... and well, you the, know, books that, you know, yeah, the, I will, the pages appear to change color. Going back. And they talk about sin and redemption and all that. That's so, good. Yeah. But, but anyway, so. I mean, my point is that people want to be deceived and it's easy to deceive people. I mean, Joel Osteen's dad, which I did know this, but I saw Joe put it, put it in there, um, was a, was a biblical pastor. Yeah. And Joel Osteen steps in. He actually ran the media. Joel Osteen did. Yeah. That's what he did before his dad died. Or stepped out, or however that happened. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Anyway, 
Well, there you go. And I think there was some testimony in here too. So Rachel said, my dad miraculously healed of liver colon cancer after being told six weeks to live, no treatment. Wow, that's Praise cool. Praise God. And of course, there are frauds. Can't build our beliefs on man, on man only the word, right? Christian illusions are kind of cool when they stick to the gospel. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. But my point was, my point is, is that like people want to be deceived or they're too lazy to be taught. And that's why I, you know, if I, if I recommend one ministry on this show besides Ariel, it's precepts ministries, um, because that's a ministry that gets you into God's word and it teaches you how to study God's word for yourself. Um, and I think it's awesome. I mean, unfortunately, even many seminaries today, you can't send, you can't go to a seminary to learn theology because so many of them are liberal. They've gone off the deep end, um, and all that. And by the way, just so you know, over on ProPublica, which is where I was reading the information for Chick-fil-A, I decided to look up Joyce Meyer Ministries. And interestingly, Joyce Meyer doesn't have any financial data available to show publicly, which makes me wonder why, because she is a nonprofit. And she was under investigation a while back as well for um, financial issues, just so you know. Now, are they great for like recovery stuff and, you know, taking a scripture out of context and misapplying it perfectly to something like that? They're, they're experts at it. That's what they do, you know, um, but, but reading the Bible in context, understanding the context in which it was written and all of that. No, they're that's, great. Go ahead. That's what I wanted, to, <laughs> wanted you to play. Uh, guilty by association. Gotcha. Beginning that uh, special last verse. It's a telethon Tuesday for the Gospel Club. Send your money in now. Are they going to pull the plug? That's just, cool. Just remember the facts when they plead and beg. When the chicken squawks loud, it's going to lay a big egg. You could be smelling a crook. You should be checking the book, but you'd rather listen than look. Yeah. The implication. Guilty yep. by association. Yeah, Rachel, just so you know, we're not saying God doesn't heal oh, at all. I, I, my friend, many testimonies. Yeah, to my friend Cheryl Chumley, healing. who I've had on the show, actually shared on our show the testimony of her husband, how they gave him a death sentence with cancer and how he, he is completely healed now. So, but what I'm saying is that the theology needs to be addressed. And Costi, bless his heart, and I mean that in the good way. You know, this is a man who stood up to the family system and the unhealthy spiritual abuse. And I guess maybe this is on my mind a lot because, you know, I know a lot of people who've been really burnt in churches who are raised in toxic faith. And it's, you know, and it they don't know Christ and the power of his resurrection. They don't make him, they don't, they, they take it out on God when it's not his fault. It's man's you know, it's man's fault, you know, so it just, you know, and Lord willing, we're the generation that gets the rapture. That would be totally awesome because I'd be like, see ya, <laughs> out of here. You know, there's going to be a generation that won't die. And I think we're it. I really do, actually. Um, I hope so anyway. So, okay, good. Anyway, so tomorrow night, Bareface is going to be teaching us again from the word. So do you know what you're going to talk about yet? Yes, I do. Hat tip to Kelly Blyshack again uh, for picking the topic. And the topic is the temptation of Christ after his baptism. Do you want to tell everybody who Kelly is? Uh, Kelly's a longtime friend, great brother, and um, um, somebody we know from California. And He loves Randall. Yeah. He keeps telling Randall he needs to be a pastor. He wants a pocket Randall. That's yeah. what he says. <laughs> yeah. We need to get a little mini Randall. Give put Randall in Kelly's pocket. So, um, uh, anyway, yeah. So we were talking about that just a few days ago. <laughs> maybe maybe it was yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. But um, might have been yesterday. Today's Saturday. It might have been yesterday. Mm. Anyway, I don't, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so going to yeah. be talking about that. Gotcha. And and it's neat that you brought it up Rachel, earlier. Rachel, I, I, uh, I hear you. Thank you. Appreciate that. 
Okay, so I hope you all have enjoyed the show. I hope you're not mad at me too much. Those of you who might be oversensitive to my opinion. Um, but <laughs> but thank you for tuning in. I Well, okay, before we leave. So how many of you are mad at me? Put a one. That way I know. So then I can avoid you later. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, no, you don't have to. You don't really have to do that. But, um. Yeah, but we are living in those days. And, you know, I would encourage you, go go to the New Testament and read the little book of Jude. Because that's a great book. To re- it's like one chapter. Um, and it really gives you a huge picture of, uh, of um, okay, Kim's, Kim is really mad at me. <laughs> no, it gives, you, it gives you a really good picture of the state of the church in the end of days. I and mean, it was the state of the church then, but now we're like really, 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 you know, on the end here. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Stacey. I wouldn't have heard ask this. Well, good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got something. You can thank Janet Parshall for that. Cause she's the one, she linked it on her page and, uh, John said we did good. 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 Well, I'm glad. I mean, you know, I, I, I get email from some of you who tell me stuff, so feel free. Just remember I'm not your enemy. All right. Okay. So be bold people stand up and go with God cause he loves you. Yeah, he does. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.